0: going to open to the book of Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6, and I'm just going to read through this, uh, the majority of this story that I'm sure we know so well here this morning, but I just want to let the word speak to us as we enter into this here today. Genesis chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse number 5, and we're Looking here into the story of Noah, the story of Noah, says that God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Look at verse 8. It says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. There was a man, Noah, who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We're going to be looking into this man, Noah, here in just a minute. But let's continue with this story here. Let's skip down just a few verses to verse 13. So the God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood, rooms shalt thou make in the ark, thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and a cubit shalt thou finish it above. The door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. Verse 18. But with thee... Will I establish my covenant and thou shalt make shall come into the ark, thou and thy sons, thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of the, all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee shall be male and female of fowls after their kind of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort. ...shall come unto thee, and to keep them alive. And take thou thee of all the food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and shall it be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah, look at this verse 22, thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Amen. I want to look at this man who lived in obedience to God. He was a, a man of obedience. And is there anybody in here who's who's had an opportunity to go down to uh, to Kentucky uh, and and seen the the Ark Encounter? Anybody? I know we have, we have several in our here who who've gone down, and it's it's quite uh, quite a thing to see that to see the the pers- seeing it in that perspective, uh, built uh, with the, the measurements uh, as close as we can. Uh, as we can tell, to the measurements that are in, uh, that Noah was instructed with to build the ark, and we see this uh, this man Ken Ham who uh, who set about to uh, to bring this to life, and you know it's it's been uh, surmised by by many people throughout the throughout time that this story of Noah is just some fictional story that this is this is something that I mean it seems. Too uh it seems too crazy, it seems too wild to to have actually happened. But when we when we see and you you look at the whole of scripture, this flood account, this is mentioned over and over and over throughout scripture. We see in thirteen different books of the Bible, this flood and the Ark of Noah is mentioned. It's not just mentioned as something that, that would be out of a fairy tale. This isn't something that, that just is, is looked at as, you know, as, uh, you know, the, the great writings of somebody that's trying to teach us some, um, uh, great truth about God. But this actually happens. And we see the stories and we see, uh, we see the stories in all of these other, uh, all these other nations and their, um, in, in, their cultures, this, the story of a flood that took place because, because it did. It took place and we see the historical evidence of it that, uh, that comes to us today that, that we can see the historical evidence of a worldwide flood. So this is not something that is just, uh, just this, you know, some children's Bible story. But this really happened. This really happened. I want to just continue here in uh, this the next chapter, chapter 7, beginning in verse 11. I just want to read just a little bit further on in, in this, this story here. Verse 11 says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day where all of the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights and the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth who were the sons of Noah Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark they and every beast after his kind and all the cattle after their kind every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind every fowl after his kind every bird of every sort and they went into in unto Noah into the ark two and two of all flesh wherein is the breath of life and they that went in went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded him and the Lord shut him in and the flood was 40 days upon the earth and the waters increased and bare up the ark and it was lift up above the earth and the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth and the ark went up Uh, "...went upon the face of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered, and all the flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of the fowl and of the cattle, of the beast, of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man. All in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land, died." And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground. Both man and cattle, the creeping things, the fowl of the heaven, they were destroyed from the earth. Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth a 150 days. As I said, this story is one that we know. It's not... Uh, Would suppose it's not new to anybody in this place today, but I want to, I want to bring this to light today and just look at this man who God saw in the midst of an evil world. This man, Noah, that, that in the midst of, of evil, in the midst of a society that was, was full of evil, God found a righteous man. In the midst of, of a society, much like today's society god found a man who was righteous god god looked down upon the earth and and the population was was not quite the population of what it is today on the earth but but still it was uh it was many people that uh that covered the earth and and when god looked at it it repented god that he even made man he says what why why did i make this thing in my image that?" I gave free choice that I gave the ability to to worship me or to not worship me, and then they go, and they just live in such evil uh, in such evil ways and and yet he looked down and he says in verse nine we we read it in verse nine of chapter six, it says these are the generations of Noah that Noah was a just man, that Noah was perfect in his generations that Noah walked with God. I want to I look at this man because if God finds somebody out of all the earth, and if God is looking at the earth today, and 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 he were to to find somebody who who would be right in His eyes, I want to I want to pattern my life after the life of Noah. I want to pattern my life after this man who, when God looks upon the face of the earth, and He's repenting the fact that he even made man, but yet he sees Noah and he says, there's the one. There's the one that, that I find joy in. There's the one that, that, that I I was hoping when I made man, that this is how they would turn out. And he looks on Noah and, and we see Noah, it says he was a just man. He was a just man. What that word just is this, uh, this Hebrew word sadik, And, and this, uh, most often in scripture, when we come across that, that Hebrew word, sadik, it is the word uh, translated in in English "righteous." He was a a righteous man, and this is the first time in Scripture that we come up, come upon that word "righteous," and and then we see it over and over and over. But but it's looking at somebody. God sees him, and He says, "This is the man who's who's living not according to the world, who's not measuring himself." And in his acts, his actions, according to what the world is doing, his conduct is not on the bar of the world. But his conduct is based on the relationship that he has with me. His conduct is is such that that when I began to speak into, into Adam from the very beginning and and I go and, and I and I have relationship with with Seth and then on down the line, there's this man, Noah, who he's continued to live righteously. He was a just man. He says that Noah was perfect in his generations again that the Hebrew word per, uh, for perfect here is Tamim meaning complete sound blameless. This is talking about his, his moral uh, uprightness, the fact that uh, he was behaviorally uh, he, he had integrity in his in his behavior. This was a man that when God looked at him he says he 's perfect in his generations he 's a man that that i 've watched him for six hundred years for six hundred years. He has lived righteously he has lived right he has lived in, in, with integrity. This is a man in in the midst of of an evil society he has lived with integrity he is perfect. In his generations, he has taught his children to, to follow me. He has, he has these three boys, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and, and he has, not just him, but, but his, his generations, his, um, his children follow after his example. Amen. God was looking upon him and, and this is the man that he saw. And then it says that Noah walked with God. That, that, phrase walked with God kind of stands out to me because there's two other men that came before Noah that it says that they walked with God we see uh, Noah's be his great grandfather Enoch and it says that Enoch living on the earth that he walked with God and then he just vanished he was not he was he was a man this he, he mirrored this stellar example of, of his great grandfather Enoch who, who had this, this walk with God to the point that, that it, it, he, he did not see death. He was, he was one of the very few individuals that we, we read of that did not see death because this was a man who walked with God. But it also reflects the experience that Adam had when Adam was in the garden and God would come down and he would walk with Adam in the midst of the garden. And this is the kind of relationship that God desires with us. This is the, this is the relationship. It says, uh, it says that God wants to, God, He, he desires to walk with His, with his mankind. God desires to have a relationship with us. And we see Noah, this man, this righteous man of God who walked with God. I mean, I, I just want to I'm pointing this out because because I want to have the same type of relationship that Noah had with God in this in, in our society today, in this evil society that we're living in. Don't let the world don't let the world set the bar for our conduct and behavior. Don't let the world set the bar for for what is right and what's wrong. I want to be a just man as Noah was a just man. I want to be perfect in my generations, not just myself, but pouring into my children and pouring in to the next generation that comes after me. I, I want to be blameless in front of God. I want to live with integrity. When nobody else is looking, I want to, I, I know that God is looking. Amen. This is the kind of man when God looked down upon an evil world, he saw a righteous man in Noah, a man who had a relationship with him. And so God calls him. Begins to talk to him. And I can imagine. I can just imagine when when God is. It, it just, just speaks to him one of these days. When, when he's, he's walking with God. And Noah's talking with him. And and God begins to tell him about his plan. To destroy the earth. And, and just, just imagine the gravity of that. If you are this man Noah, as God begins to reveal to you this 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 plan that, that I'm going to destroy the earth here in your lifetime, I will destroy the earth. I'm going to wipe out all mankind. I have a way of escape, though. And I want you to be part of it. I'm going to send waters upon the earth It's going to flood the earth. I've got a way of escape, and I want you to play a crucial part in this escape plan. Well, this is exactly, I I say that imagine yourself in Noah's day when God tells him that, but that's where we're at today. That's exactly where we are at today. That God says, I will come and there will be uh, those who, who have an escape plan off of this earth. But those who are left and remain, they are bound for the same eternity than those who were left in the midst of the flood, who didn't make it on the ark. But I've got a responsibility for you. Get on the ark. Get on the ark, and I want you to tell as many as you can to get on the ark. Enter in the door is open. I want you to build an ark, and you let them know that there is a way of escape there is a way of escape off of this off of this evil world that uh that is surrounded that is surrounding us, and God begins speaking to Noah and it says that that it is Noah. Receive these instructions. We 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 see them, uh, the New Testament writers looking back to Noah, and we see how they re- refer to him in Second Peter chapter two, Second Peter chapter two verse five. It, it says that uh, God he spared not the old world, but he saved Noah, the eighth person, who was a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. it says it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness as he's building this ark we have noah who is who is telling everyone around him look god is coming god is going to destroy this earth you got to get you got to hear me hear what i say listen to my words god is not pleased with the way that you're living god is not pleased with the way that this world has turned out so get on the ark he was a preacher of righteousness we see in hebrews chapter 11 Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says that by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not as, not as seen yet, moved with fear. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and he became an heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. It says it says that he condemned the world. Now, how, how did Noah condemn the world? He didn't do it by closing his mouth off and and, and not telling anybody. But he did it by the fact that he acted by faith and the world did not act by faith. That Noah, he he acted upon this. He responded in faith. He responded in obedience to God's plan for salvation while the world around him rejected what God had offered to, to be the way of escape. We see Noah, a preacher of righteousness. And I want you to know, God... Always provides a way of escape. God always provides a way of escape. First Corinthians chapter ten. First Corinthians chapter ten says that there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but will, with that temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God will always provide a way of escape. I don't know what you may be going through today. I don't know what your uh, what your friends are, are going through, your family members are going through right now. But, but I want you to know God will provide a way of escape. There is a, a plan. There is a way out of whatever dark place that they are in, whatever dark place you are in today. There is a way out. God has a way of escape from this entanglement of sin that can get us in such dark places and you can get so wrapped up in this world and you can get so wrapped up in all these things that that the devil begins speaking in your ear and, and telling you 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 you're stuck you're in a cycle that you cannot get out of and that the enemy will start speaking to you and telling you lies and speaking lies to you to tell you that you can't make it. That God's grace cannot reach you any longer because you've rejected God too many times. But God, his, he will always make a way of escape. God's hand is not short that he cannot save you. God will provide a way of escape for you. And God has provided a way of escape for us off of this earth. God has provided a way of escape for us in, salva- in, in, in our, the salvation plan that he has, but there is just a, just just one way of escape and it 's god 's way let 's go to Galatians chapter one Galatians chapter one verse number four says, who gave himself for our sins speaking of Jesus here he gave himself. For our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. There is a way of escape that's already been provided for us. It's, it's nothing that I do, it's nothing that, that I can, it, it, it's not about being good enough. Brother Duffy, it's not about, it's not about me trying to, to live up to God's expectations and, and to, to jump through this hoop and that hoop and to, and to live good enough. But God, without, without Him dying for our sins, my goodness means nothing. Without Him being the perfect sacrifice where He became sin for me and He died for me, there is no way of escape. Now he calls us to righteousness. He calls us to live. Uh, once, once we come under the blood of Jesus, he calls us out of the world. He calls us to come out of who we used to be and to begin to live for him. But, but he's the one who's already became the sacrifice for our sins. He already provided the way of escape. So, what are we doing with that way of escape that he's provided? What are we doing today? Amen. God, He died for our sins. Now, here's here's the thing. I want to I want to know what. Uh, how do we respond to the Word of God? Let's look at Noah. How did Noah respond when God began to speak to him? When when God is is walking with Noah in the midst of uh, midst of his day, and and God begins to to tell him about this flood that's going to happen. What's the response that Noah has? When God speaks, it says in Genesis six twenty two, "Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he." Not not according to to some of what God commanded him. Not according to you know he he heard this and that and he and he picked what he wanted to to listen to, but it says according to all that God commanded, Noah did it. Everything that God was instructing him to do, every every, uh, little change in his life, everything that he had to do in order to get ready to be saved from this this pending destruction, it says Noah did it. Noah built the ark. He built it according to the Specifications that God had laid out for him. Noah, it says he 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 listened to God. He he allowed God to speak to him, and he was taking it all in. and And he didn't have he didn't have a a Bible. He didn't have scripture like this to to live by. How privileged are we? How privileged are we to have it all written down right here? Amen. For, for the word of God to be right here. And this ought to be alive to us. It ought to be instructive to us. We ought to, we ought to eat this and breathe this every day so that, so that this becomes part of who we are because, because we can, we have his word right here that, that becomes so clear on how to live for God. But for Noah, it was about relationship. For Noah, it was about God. You speak and I listen. You speak and I do to be. that's got to be how it is for us as well. We, be, we better have some relationship with God. We better have relationship with God enough that when He speaks, I do. When God speaks, I respond to Him. And I do all that He asks me to do. Everything. When God begins to prick my heart, God, I respond to you. God, when you begin to push me in this direction, God, I go in that direction. I'm not pulling against you. I'm not trying to go some other direction. But it says Noah did everything that God asked him to do. And then and then it says that Noah, he began to relay the word of God to others. He was a preacher of righteousness. He didn't keep this to himself. He didn't keep this to him and his family he says that, that he was as he's building the ark, he's, he's building it with one hand, he's, he's constructing this, and then uh he's telling everybody else who comes around him, saying, What are you building? He starts telling them about what God's gonna do. Well, how how are we relaying the word of God to others? How are we today relaying the word of God? Do you believe that we're living in the end times? Do we believe it? Do we truly believe that God is coming back for his church? Do we truly believe that there is going to be a judgment day? Do we truly believe this? Because if we believe it, then we ought to relay the word of God to somebody else. Let's go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then? How then? Shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. And they bring glad tidings of good things. They have not all all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah said saith, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. we need to get the word of God out to those who need it. How can they hear? How can they believe unless they have heard it from somebody? How can they believe unless they have heard the preacher say it? How can they believe unless they have heard the word of God? How can they act according to the way that God wants them to act how can they enter into the one door unless they have heard the message that says get in the door that says there's only one way out of here let's get out of here through the way that God has planned for us come on we we got to take this seriously we need to relay the word of God to others now here's the thing that shakes us we get all the skeptics around us You get all the skeptics around you that begin telling you this and that, and this is, uh, Noah, you've been saying this for 10 years. Noah, you've been saying this for 50 years. Noah, you've been saying this for 100 years, and I haven't seen a rain cloud yet. You've been saying that God's gonna be coming back in 1988. You said he was coming back in 1989. You said he was coming back in 2000. You said he was coming back in 2012 when the Mayan calendar said the world was gonna end. You said it was gonna happen here and there. And all the skeptics, they raise their voice and they say, when is this actually gonna happen? And so we shut our mouths. And say, I don't know when it's going to happen. I believe it's going to for me, but you know what? I'll leave you alone. Here's the thing. People, they often resent or they, they misunderstand someone who's doing the right thing. We need to expect the skeptics. Don't let your faith be shaken by the skeptics. Don't, 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 don't allow them to. To, to shake you. In fact, Jesus, he says when somebody, uh, when, when they don't receive the message that you have for them, just shake the dust off your feet and move on. There's going to be skeptics. Jesus, he, he, he never said that, that everybody and everywhere that you go is going to receive this gospel message, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you stop going and telling others about it. That doesn't mean that you allow the skeptics to close your mouth off because because you need to go. And there's somebody out there who's hungry. There's somebody out there who's receptive to truth. There's somebody out there who they need to hear this gospel message. There's somebody out there who needs to know there's one door and that door is still open today. Let's get in the ark. Let's get in the ark. Let's get in the ark. When there's one door let's get into the ark and if i'm the one if i'm the 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 preacher of righteousness if i'm the one then i need to tell somebody get in the ark on the skeptics here's the thing eventually the skeptics are going to have their eyes opened every knee shall bow Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That day's coming when every skeptic is going to realize. It tells us, Romans 14, 11, that every knee shall bow. That day will come when the day of the Lord is here. That every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. No skeptics can deny it. No skeptics will be. Uh, they, they won't be skeptical any longer when Jesus comes back, because they'll realize that the message that I was told was true. Come on, keep holding on to truth. Keep holding on to truth. Don't let the skeptics shake your faith. I just want to just want to close just by saying that there is only one door. There's only one door. Jesus talks about the, the days of Noah in Matthew chapter 24. Really, Jesus, he's, he's speaking of the, the end times, the second coming of Christ. And it's in verse 37, he says, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking or marrying or giving a marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. They knew not until the flood came, and they took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I, I want to I stop there because, can you go back to verse uh, 38? For as in the days of Noah were, before the flood, they were eating and drinking. They're marrying, they're given in marriage. Is there anything sinful about these things that he mentions here? Jesus is saying, they were just going about regular life. They were, they were just living life as, as if there was nothing, uh, nothing to come. There was no pending judgment. They were just going through the, the the motions of life. They were eating. They were drinking. They were uh, marrying. They were giving a marriage. They were they were going and just just through life. And and then all of a sudden, in the midst of life, the, the the floods opened up and the 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 heavens opened up and the flood began to come. It was in the midst of just normal life. He says the same thing about Sodom and Gomorrah. When Jesus speaks of it in the last days, he doesn't really speak to toward the. Um, uh, toward the, the, the evil and the, the sodomy and all these things that are happening. He just says, they were eating, drinking, they were uh, marrying, giving a marriage, they were doing all these normal things of life, and then all of a sudden judgment came. Such will it be when the Son of Man comes. Now we we see where it points to those days, and we see, and we, we know the full context of them we know the evil of the days of Noah. We know the evil that was in the days of Lot. But uh but but Jesus is saying they were just going through life and all of a sudden judgment came. And how true is that today? Well, we can get so numb to the things around us that we just we just go through life and the, and and all of a sudden Jesus is going to come back. One of these days Jesus is going to come back. I know we're, in, we're just in, in Sunday's morning Bible study, uh, adult Bible class here this morning. But I want you to know Jesus is coming back soon. That Jesus is coming back. And we need to be ready for it. We need to be ready for the soon return of our Lord. We need to be ready for that. And I want to get somebody else ready for that return as well. When they're just going through the, through the course of life, I want them to know Jesus is coming soon. Would you get ready? Would you get ready? Because when God closes the door, no man can open it. There's only one door. There's only one door. And when God closes that door, when he closes that open opportunity, no man can open it back up. We see it in Genesis chapter 7. We read it in verse 16. They that went in. They went in, male and female of all fleshes. God had commanded him. And then the Lord shut him in. God closed the door. And when God closed the door, it wasn't Noah. Noah Noah wasn't in there pulling on all the the, the ropes and pulleys and all this to close this this huge door. God closed the door. When he closed it, the men who were were on the outside as the rains began to come down, beating on the door trying to get in, uh, God, God closed the door already. You can't open the door back up. That's why when Jesus, when he speaks of of the end times in in that next chapter, Matthew chapter 25, he says in verse 10, He's speaking here of the ten virgins, this this parable of the ten virgins, he says, When they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready, they went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. They had gone away. Their, their oil and their lamps had, had burned out. They had, they had to, to, to go and try to find some new oil. And, and as they were gone, going to get this new oil, it says all of a sudden the, the time of the marriage was, was, was set. And, and when it came back, the door was shut. Afterwards, there came also other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and he said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. I don't know who you are. The door's already been shut. You weren't here. You didn't come in when the door was open. There was a time when the door was open and you were invited in, but you weren't here when the door was open. There comes a day when the the door is going to shut. There comes a day of the rapture when God's going to take his church on out of here. And we need to be ready when the door is still open like it's open right now. Let me get ready for when the door shuts, it shuts, and I'm not going to have another opportunity. You will not have another opportunity when that door is closed. I mean, you just ask the question. I can't just leave it there without telling you what the open door is here today. Because the one door, the one door that's opened to us today is, is told to us in John chapter 10, verse 9, when Jesus declares, I am the door. Come and enter in through me. I am the way, I'm the door that's still open right now. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says that there is, neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Salvation is through Jesus and Jesus only. Salvation comes in the name of Jesus Christ. There is not salvation found any other way. you are not going to find a door over here through Allah. You are not going to find another door over here through Buddha. You are not going to find another door through Hinduism. You are not going to find another door through your own way and through your own mechanisms. You are not going to find another door just by being good. You are not going to find another door just trying to get your own way and, and, and interpreting Scripture your own way. You are only going to find the door through obedience to the Word of God. You are only going to find the door when When you come through the name of Jesus, you're only going to find the door when you enter in the way that God has set it up. There's only one door. What are we doing? Have you entered into the door today? those around you, who you've been hoping would, would come around, have they entered in through the door? you a preacher of righteousness do you truly believe that there's only one door do you truly believe that the door will close one day see when they ask that question on the day of Pentecost what do we need to do to be saved Peter puts it very plainly let's go there in verse 37 of Acts chapter 2 Peter had just preached to them a message about Jesus had given his life for them they were pricked in their hearts They said to Peter, to the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? You told us that we're in need of salvation, so what should we do? You told me that I'm a sinner. What should I do? You told me that I'm living and that I'm going to end up on the outside of the ark. So what do I need to do? When we come to the realization I'm a sinner today, what do I need to do? And Peter says in verse 38, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Notice he doesn't say, just go and be baptized any way that you want to be baptized. He says, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for that is the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's in the name of Jesus, that's the seal. That's the seal that, that he, he comes. He, he's the one who gave His life for us. If you've been baptized any other way, I want you to search Scripture. The only way that we see those baptized in Scripture is in the name of Jesus Christ. It wasn't done in sprinkling. It wasn't done in, in any other way. It wasn't done in, as an infant. It wasn't done in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It was done in Jesus' name in Jesus name when you are baptized in Jesus name your sins can be washed away and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost it's a promise it's a promise amen could we just lift up or close our eyes and lift up our hands in this place today I want there be somebody who in your mind today is I've been speaking to the door Come on, that there's somebody in your mind that you can pray for. There's somebody that you know you need to, you need to open up your mouth. And let's stop, the, stop allowing the critics to silence us. Stop allowing the critics and all of them around us to silence us for telling others that there's only one door. The door's going to shut. I need you to know it. I need you to know it. Come on, the day and the hour is soon approaching. Come on, if it's you today would you respond there's only one door come on it's through Jesus would you be baptized today in Jesus name would you repent of your sins today come on there is no sin that will be welcomed into the gates of heaven come on could we repent of our sins could we come to him in true uh, in true repentance and say Lord I need you <laughs> yes I yes. serve